What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 90, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode Threshold. Threshold! This podcast podcast is an independent podcast. Uh, No ads. Advertisers not allowed. Uh, And you can help keep advertisers not allowed uh, if you wish, and if you have the capacity to do so, to uh, support the show on Patreon. We have a little Patreon-y thing. Patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate. Every dollar contributed is going to Zach's computing device. Love that goal. Say it every week. Don't care. Still great. Um... Because without it, we can't do the show. And then it would be, I, I, I can't recall if I've made this joke before, but I will make it again. It would literally be me all by myself talking to the air, which is not that fun. Uh, uh, as, as much as I think that I would be able to maintain an entertaining podcast by myself, I know myself better than that. That would actually be kind of a train wreck. So uh, having Zach around is definitely better than that. For sure. Aww. Yeah, you're the best. I, I am better than a train wreck. <laughs> you, sir, are better than a train wreck. You, you are, you, you, you no, we're, uh, anyway. <laughs> I'll say this, Brent. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> you know, at, at, at the church where I work, we started a, a noontime walk through the gospel of Mark, uh, mm-hmm. myself and a colleague, and we work together and, and we just kind of walk slowly through the gospel, uh, taking one section each. And working through it, and occasionally for the last several months, one or both of us—well, one of us has not been able to be there, and the other one of us has had to mm-hmm. do the podcast by ourselves. And I have sat there in front of that <laughs> camera, looking at Facebook Live, and saying, "Hi, everybody! It's just me, and I'm going to do my uh, thing and talk." And and uh, it's way yep. better when you have somebody to work with. When you got somebody to work there. with, so, yep, yep, yep. So. To listen to our antics, friends, uh, you will always be able to. We are going to have some, uh, super, not super secret, we've been telling you all about it every week, but we're going to have some Patreon-only content for a spell, uh, and then we'll throw that stuff on the main feed. But you, friends, will always be able to find our content uh, on the major spots, the Google podcasty thing, the Apple podcasty thing, the Spotify podcasty thing, and podcast aggregator thing. Going to be fine. You're always going to find it there. No sweat. And... Jack, uh, Jack. Wow, I threw what an extra Y that? in there. Hey, Jack. Jack. So, so, if, uh, so, Jack, if a person wants to let them know that I suddenly got a real annoying voice all of a sudden, how might they? How might they do that? Well, well if you think you get annoyed at 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 at, at our annoying voices that are really <laughs> high and squeaky and and all this stuff, then you can email us at walking through the stargate at gmail.com. That is W A L K I N G T H R U G H T H E S C R G A T E at gmail.com. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You know, if you oh, okay, terrible. so if you also want to talk to us on Twitter, you can do that at Stargate Walking. Uh, we've got a Facebook group, Walking Through the Stargate. We've got a Facebook page also, Walking Through the Stargate. So go ahead and join that Facebook group. Click yep. that like and follow button on the 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 the, the page, um, and of course, join us on Patreon if you're able. Um, we will be starting up relatively soon, as soon as uh, David and I can get all of our ducks in a row. A right, right. new podcast, the the other side of the gate, a walking through the Stargate podcast, mm-hmm. where we'll be talking about spoilers and all of those things uh, with these episodes and how all of this stuff fits in moving forward. Um, Whereas Brent and I can only look backwards or right where we're at. Uh, Correct. So that's coming. That is going to be a Patreon 
Uh, first thing, uh, those of you who are on Patreon will get those right away. Uh, as soon as we have that uploaded, you will find some information about how to get to those RSS feeds. Uh, and then, sometime in the future, we'll get those onto this main feed for you yep. all who are not able to be on Patreon. Um, yep. Because we do want you to participate Yeah. with that. Be able to... so. Uh, that's coming up. Um, we're also going to be doing a little bit of a retweak on the uh, the uh, Patreon uh, tiers uh, and and our recount. <laughs> I just I just re- <laughs> in my head the phrase "votes for cash" just popped in my head, <laughs> which is technically exactly what it is. However, like. Anyway, well, no, no, it's cash for votes. You give me I'm cash, sorry. I'll give you votes. Yeah, no, that's the way that that's that's that thing. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it does work that way too. I'm just, I just, yeah. anyway, no, we got ourselves a little, uh, we got ourselves a little uh, Tammany Hall here. Uh. <laughs> sorry, All carry right. on. I didn't All mean right. to derail the thing. That's Go, okay. T- tell tell everybody what it's about. Okay. Um, what. I, I don't remember. So it's, you know, it's you were Patreon. about to talk about uh, you're you're tweaking the thing. Uh, yes, I'm do... tweaking the, the thing so that we have nicer game balance. Um, yes, but uh, you know, life gets in the way of things sometimes, and so I'm moving slower on that than I want to. But um, I will get to that as very soon, very soon. I promise. Yep. No, uh, no worries. No worries. Um, also, Brent. Mm-hmm. You may have noticed that we are on episode 90 yeah. of our podcast here. Can yes. you believe that? 90 episodes. That is more than double the number, um, more than triple the number, more than quadruple the number of episodes of Firefly. <gasps> Dude, why'd you have to make me sad? You know, Firefly <laughs> is more gonna... than 10 years old. It's more than uh, 15 years old now. So I know. In any case. But it was really good. It was really, 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 really... Anyway. In any case. Yes, we're on episode 90. In any case. We're getting close to that wonderful number, mm-hmm. that three-digit number 100. That's right. That's which right. Which is not four in binary, but 100 in decimal. Yes. So, and this is amazing. <laughs> I'm babbling. <laughs> but I'm having Sorry. fun. <laughs> Are you wanting me to? Are you wanting me to pick up the little spot here that says? Sure, you you run with it. <laughs> that sees B. Yeah. So so episode one hundred. We mentioned this. We mentioned this last week. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. <clears throat> we mentioned last week that we are wanting uh, the listeners of the show to grab your telephone and uh, make a little minute long uh, thing that we're going to pop into our show in episode one hundred. So so yeah. So here's the deal. Um. Uh, if you have a desire to do so, and please, you know, d- d- if you say to yourself, I don't have a good voice for radio, hush, hush you, hush. We want to hear your thoughts. Trust us. So pick up that phone, put up that little voice memo thing or whatever, fire it up and tell us what you tell us uh, your thoughts about episode 100. So we're going to stitch it into our 100th episode, which is going to be the 100th episode of Stargate, I still don't know what I'm getting into at all. I'm not paying attention to the email at all. So, you know, your, your, your thoughts are safe um, for now. Uh, but uh, yeah, like, so when, if, if it's possible for you to tell a quick little thing about like how you felt the first time that you saw it, please share that. That's fantastic. Or if you can't recall, it's been so long, um, but you have, you know, that you like the episode for this or you don't like it for that or whatever. Um, we're interested in your thoughts. So do keep it to a minute. 
Um, we're going to be pretty strict about that just because we can't have this thing be going on and on um, in the event that lots of people do this. Uh, and if lots and lots and lots of people do this, we're still like technically reserving the right to be like, okay, we're going to pick these, these ones. The, these are the best ones. Um, but, um, highly encourage you to do that. Uh, and then we'll stitch it, uh, stitch the audio in, uh, when you do make your little recording, you can email it to us back at that email address, W A K I N G A T H E A T H E S C A I T A T dot at gmail.com. And, uh, I don't think that's quite how it goes. No, what did I miss it? Um, anyway, you can rewind. Uh, but yeah, we'll take those audio clips. We'll throw it in the show. So um, yeah, we're excited about that. And also, by the time we get to that episode, there's other secret sauce stuff. Speaking of Zach, uh, I did not do my homework at all. Um, Zach knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, well, but, you know, we still ha- we gave ourselves two weeks, and that was one yeah, well, week ago. So we have yeah, one more so week. We got one one more week. We've got one more uh, week to do our homework. One more week. Oh, Mark. Um, but anyway, we got other. We we have we have other things. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, but as far as like uh, friends, what you can do is uh, you can do that, and for real, like it'll be great. It'll be great. It'll be it'll fine. Be fun. It'll, it'll be, be a lot fun. fun. You know, it's a hundred episodes, and it's the hundredth episode of Stargate because they match together this time. We've got that to yeah. match up. And so, you know, this is a big milestone for us as a podcast. This is a big milestone yes. for the show to get to 100 episodes. And, uh, you know, so let's just, you know, join us and let's have a party. Let's have a party. Wee! Wee! That was my noisemaker. I don't I don't like hooting. Wee! Oh, anyway. All right. Anyway, so, so, yeah. Shall we dig into <laughs> Threshold? <laughs> yeah, let's get into it. All right. All right. Here we go. Threshold was directed by Peter DeLuise. This is his first yeah. episode this season directing. He has eight total episodes. Uh, last week was Martin Wood, and I didn't talk about how many episodes he's directed, but he directed a lot this season, and we'll talk more about that next week because he's directing that episode too. Oh, well, there you go. Okay. Little, little spoiler there. The teleplay for this episode <laughs> is by Brad Wright, mm-hmm. uh, the co-creator of the show, the showrunner of the show, the one, the you know, the brains behind this. Yeah. The one who is working very hard right now to get a, another uh, series of Stargate on television now. Uh, so I think that there's actually some some uh, petitions going around there. So go find those and, and, and sign up on Yes. I think one of our, uh, well, I know one of our uh, uh, listeners and members of the group posted something online about that. Um, I can't remember who it was that put that out there, but you can go look that and find that, sign that. uh, Do it. Do it. Uh, So, um, because, you know, we only have nine more years of this podcast and we need more content if you want us to go beyond that. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Come on. Hello. We have several guest actors in this episode. Uh, mm-hmm. Your favorite uh, character is back, Tony Amendola as Ricardo Montalban! Yes! No, it's Braytac. Oh, Tony okay, Amendola. Uh, yes, we, he's back. We have Brooke Parker back as Dreyok. That's mm-hmm. Tilk's wife. Mm-hmm. Um, she is back again for this episode. Uh, not certain if she's coming back. I, I didn't get a chance to look at that, so... Uh, gotcha. But we have her. Uh, Peter Williams comes back as Apophis. Peter Williams. He Woo! died last week, and we have already brought him back. Well, I mean, but, you know, in a way that is, we'll get into it. Yeah. Uh, we have, of course, Terrell Rothery as Dr. Yep. Janet Frazier. We've got Eric Schneider playing Dr. McKenzie for that right. small scene at the very beginning. 
Uh, and then, of course, we introduce David Lovegren as Valar in this episode. Uh, Quick. Uh, I see you got notes on Valar, but real fast. Eric yep. Schneider. Is he, was he the same doctor as in BSG? No. No, different Different actor. doctor. Different no. actor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Totally because I was sitting guy. there like... Yeah, because there was a there was enough about him that made me think about it. But I was also thinking to myself, this is two thousand one, and that doctor looks like you know however old. And then the doctor from BSG, it's like two thousand three, I think. He was in the miniseries, I think. Right? You know, I'm sitting yeah. there like doing the math and like, wait a minute. No, so, no, okay, different, different guy. guys. Uh, I think uh, there there's a little part of my brain that says that the actor who plays Doc Cottle in in BSG, yeah, that's his name, does show up at some point in time in. Stargate. Stargate. I don't gotcha. know if it's SG One or one of the other series, and I could be just making that up out of my, you know. I don't know, dude. They were dream. both filming in Vancouver, and clearly, this acting community, like everybody, the, everybody's working on everybody else's show up there right now. Indeed. You know, like that's indeed that's how that how that yep. works. Yep. So, um, who knows? I don't know for sure, but in the case, David Love. Anyway, he mm-hmm. was born yes. in 1969. Uh, in Vancouver, British Columbia. Mm-hmm. Uh, he uh, is one of the few actors who has made guest appearances in all three of the longest-running North American science fiction series, mm. uh, which would be X-Files, Stargate SG-1, and Smallville. Hmm. Um, okay. I looked, be able to, didn't get enough time to look to see specifically who's character. Uh, that point of order, uh, is that bullet point out of date? Because Julie, in our season four recap was talking about how Smallville and Supernatural. So the question becomes, is Supernatural science fiction or is That's, it something else? And, and, fair, and I haven't that watched is a single episode, definitely so a, a hair to split if you want. Uh-huh. I'm not going to. Uh, but you do make a legitimate point there that it is conceivable that if you count, super, if you count Supernatural as a science fiction show... Um, then yes, definitely that is uh, the th- the first. It, it, it but, beats all three of these shows in terms but, of season. Do you know? Because you do the research on this one. Did you see David uh, Lovegren in Supernatural? You know, I uh, am now going to look that up because. <laughs> um, <laughs> Oh, this is you see, you see, friends. This is why you tune in. in. Fact, this is why you listen. In fact, yeah, he yeah. is in an episode of Boom. Supernatural. There you go, dude. The dude, the dude's everywhere. There you, you go. got it. So uh, I, I was lucky, and then I had that page already up in my nice. web browser, so yep. I could look at that uh, as well. So uh, this is the last time we'll see Valar, uh, unsurprisingly, because you know he right. died. However, we will see David Lovegren again on Stargate SG-1 and ah. again on Atlantis. And I'm pretty oh. sure that those are different characters for each of those. But gotcha. I don't know that for a fact. Um, but So we'll see his face again. Um, and I thought he did a great job with that character in this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. His first IMDb credit was in 21 Jump Street back in 1987. Well, at least that's when ah, 21 Jump okay. Street started. Mm-hmm. Um, oh right, 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 right. And and I think he, I think it was in twenty in eighty seven that he was there, uh, and that's where he met uh, Peter DeLuise. Um, gotcha. Yeah. Because okay. Peter DeLuise was the star of Twenty One Jump Street. Um, mm-hmm. And then a few years later, uh, I'm going to highlight this. He played the Swedish captain in the movie Cool Runnings. 
mm-hmm. um, which is not a large part. It, but it's but it's there. So he was this. He's the Swedish captain, which is different than the Swedish chef. Bork bork. <laughs> there was a small part of me that said uh hey zach you should do the next segment in the swedish chef voice and i'm like no 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 you shouldn't you should not do that that is actually literally a terrible idea please don't um <laughs> however well if it makes you feel any better i was thinking Maybe I should do the next section is Swedish chef voice and Brent will have to translate for me. <laughs> and then I thought, no, no, that's a bad nope, idea. That's no a terrible that. idea. <laughs> <laughs> that light at the end of the tunnel is not heaven. No, it's a train. No. It's uh, that uh, it doesn't has nothing to do with the Swedish chef. But, no. uh, you know, but the but the chaos agent inside me was like, hey, that'd be that'd be funny. All right. But anyway, in any case. So the original air date for this episode is July 6, 2001. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one in the charts in the U.S. We were listening to "You Remind Me" by Usher. Uh huh. And in the U.K., they were listening to "The Way to Your Love" by Here. Oh boy! All right, so uh, we're gonna queue up that one here in a second because we've been uh, we've had "You Remind Me" by Usher in here this entire time. But I don't know the band Hearsay. I don't know it either. Or the person, or the group, or whatever. Uh, the way to your love. Yeah, I have no idea. I, I this could be this could be slow and smooth. This could be uh, upbeat and uh, you know dancing. So so I'm gonna pretend that this is a throwback, um, '80s hard rock ballad. Love better power ballads. A power ballad. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. Right. Yeah. So here, hearsay just reminds thinks it says to me this is a band that that loved the '80s and his. Retro going back there. <laughs> this is not going to be what it is. No. I, but, but yeah, okay. All right, here we go. All right. So, <laughs> so as we're listening to this, you know, 80s punk hair metal. Love yeah. ballad, hair yeah. ballad, the hair is flying yeah. all around, and we Woo! realize that cats and dogs both come in short and long haired, but these are definitely long haired cats Woo! and dogs. Woo! And you realize that when you see long haired cats and dogs in a movie, it's just scary, and it's twice as scary as anything else because it's cats and dogs. Scary Movie uh-huh. 2 is the second one. <laughs> all of this is controlled by Skynet, clearly, which is. And artificial intelligence, AI, artificial intelligence. Now, this is the good artificial intelligence, not the bad one that Skynet is. Uh, We love you, Skynet. Please don't hurt us. Um, Kiss of the Dragon is number four. And, you know, because this is a punk rock hairband love ballad, it's all about kissing. And, you know, certainly dragons are part of this. And all of this, because it's an 80s love power ballad, this is definitely fast and furious. Okay, all right. You get points for keeping it together. Yeah. However, there were definitely things there were there was conflation that was happening left, right, and center on that one. <laughs> However, we'll we'll allow it. Like the the if it's big hair and it's power ballad, it is not that fast. Uh, and it's and you know and, you know and if it's hair band, it's not punk. Uh, but well, uh, hey, we're gonna we're gonna it's totally Brent. good, all good. Brent, I was yes, doing sir. this. Off the top on of the my fly. head. On the the top fact of that the- I got through without falling on my face is impressive. Uh, <laughs> dude, every week is pretty impressive. I got to tell you. You're, this, is, this, is, this is fun. Okay. You do so, good jobs. Thank you. So do you, Brent. So do you. Thanks. Thank yeah. you. All right. What was happening at this time in 2001? 
Mm-hmm. July 3rd, just a couple of days before this episode aired, there was a meeting of the oil ministers of OPEC, and they mm-hmm. agree to maintain their current production quotas. Ministers do indicate that if Iraqi oil returns to the market, keep in mind at this point in time, Saddam Hussein decided to say, well, okay, if you're going to take over, my, I'm going to blow up all of the, 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 the oil in my area. So mm-hmm. like, ha ha ha, I'm going to cut off my nose to spite you. Neener, neener. Yeah. And they're like, well, if this keeps going, well, then we'll just keep going as we do. And if that changes, then we might change things in response. Mm-hmm. It was happening July there 3rd. There you go. On July 5th, Australia and East Timor uh, sign an agreement to share royalties from oil and natural gas production in the Timor Sea. Uh, is it Timor or Timor? I don't know. Timor? Timor? Yeah, whatever. Um, uh, which is the sea that separates those two countries. So, good mm-hmm. on you, you know, play nice together. Woo-hoo. Yep. On July 7, one day, one day, I tell you, before, after this episode aired, the Australian mm-hmm. cricketer Karen <laughs> Rolton smashes the unbeaten 209 to set a new world record for the highest score in a women's test in Australia's nine-wicket win versus England. There you go. I don't really understand much of what I just read there. <laughs> But it's she impressive. did a good job. She did a she great did a really job. Good job. So good Smashes on you, an Karen. Unbeaten two oh nine. Oh, I think what that is saying is that she, uh, she hit two hundred nine. So she scored two hundred nine points, um, which has not yet been beaten. Smashes an unbeaten two oh nine to set a new world record. So I think that's what it's how it's reading. She did two hundred nine. Mm. It's been yet unbeaten. Uh, sets the new world record in the highest score in a women's test, which is you know a match. Uh, as Australia beat England uh, by nine wickets. Sure. Oh, no, in nine wickets. No, because they do innings. But the innings is ended with outs based off of wickets. So, batting and bowling. So those of you out there who know <laughs> something about cricket, please let us know because we don't. Mm, uh, another I know sport, things. Well, Just not okay. everything. So another sport that I yeah. know that exists but still don't know very much mm-hmm. about, uh, is uh, NASCAR and ah. um, Indy racing. And I'm actually not mm-hmm. certain if this is Indy or NASCAR, but... This is NASCAR. Uh, this is NASCAR. Okay, I was thinking NASCAR, but I wasn't 100% certain. Mm-hmm. Um, in his first appearance at the Daytona 500, well, no, at, at Daytona, in the Pepsi 400, that's the race he was doing, uh, mm-hmm. Dale Earnhardt Jr., this is his first appearance... Since his father, Dale, Hart, Dale Earnhardt Sr., died, yeah. yep. he wins um, coming from seventh with nine laps remaining to beat his teammate, Michael Waltrip. Yes. So I was big into NASCAR at that time. And so I can tell you basically what it's saying is this, is that so they run a couple of races at Daytona every year. One's in the summertime is the Pepsi 400. And they run the Daytona 500 in February. And in 2001 in February, that's where Dale Earnhardt, Dale Earnhardt Sr. got caught up in a final lap crash that that ended his life. And it was very sad for the NASCAR fandom. And his son had been racing for a while. Uh, and so here we are returning to Daytona, the track that claimed his father's life mere months before. And he um, just basically burns the tires off the thing in a seven lap charge or in a nine lap charge going from seventh to first. 
Um, which in that track, you kind of have to rely on a little bit of luck, a little bit of uh, uh, teammate um, work. Uh, mm-hmm. or, or, or like, you know, like not, maybe not even teammate work, but just like, you know, you gotta, you gotta get yourself onto a train of cars that are going to push you to the front. And, um, so there was a little bit of kismet that was happening there. So in NASCAR, so, so it was, it was a little his, bit magical. His teammate, that teammate is undoubtedly helping him get to the Maybe. I mean, like within teams, there's definitely competition. Sure. Uh, you know, like if, if it, if it was one, two. Uh, you know, Waltrip might have, I, I can't recall, you know, Waltrip might have uh, helped Junior uh, get to the, get across the finish line in that one race for, for sentimental reasons. But generally speaking, I mean, like there's, there's healthy competition. It's not like, okay. It's not like he threw, he threw the race, but anyway. Yeah. Yep. Feels lots of feels. Lots of people had feelings. And you know, this is good because this is an episode that has feels. Yes. This is a feels episode. This is a feels Indeed. episode. So we have mm-hmm. some trivia for this episode. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you noticed it, but uh, in while in the scene where Hammond and O'Neill are in the observation room watching Teal'c uh, undergo that last rite, you can see in the reflection underneath them the candles in the shape of a P and a D. I did not notice that. No. Ah, uh, well, you should go back and look at that because obviously that's those are Peter DeLuise's initials, yep. who yep. was the director of this. Um, uh, and I think he actually shows up briefly in the barracks in one of the flashbacks. Oh, gotcha. Yep. Um, yep. Tony Amendola considers Threshold to be his favorite SG-1 episode. I can totally see that. I can totally see that. Um, and I didn't get a chance to look really carefully at this, but apparently between the episode Enemy, last week's episode, and this one, Threshold, all the computer monitors in Stargate Command are changed from CRTs to LCD. Ooh, I did not notice that. Um, so I, I, I read this, and then I watched the episode, and I meant to look for that, um, and I missed it because I got enthralled with the well, story. Well, I can definitely, like, I'm, I'm thinking about the medical, the, the uh, you know, um, sick bay. No, it's not sick bay. The infirmary. Whatever, you know, like, the infirmary. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, like, as I'm kind of recalling the scenes in my mind, then I can definitely, like, yeah, that's right. Those, those were flat panels. But, um uh, but I don't recall seeing the command room. See, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not certain that the the Stargate command the room command room was at all was, was at all in actually episode. in this no. episode at all. Um, you know, I mean, this is actually one of those episodes that, um, you know, aside from the the flashback memories thing, it all happens on the base. The the main characters yeah. never leave. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, this technically is a clip show, Brent. I, look, if you can count, if you can count like quarter se- less than quarter second blips to be clips, then sure. Yeah. Uh, so this does have flashback <laughs> flashback blips of Children of the Gods. Uh, actually, that one's more you know in the flashbacks they actually do. Uh, yes. Yes. Wed, uh, original film yeah, yeah, from that yeah. with the new stuff. Yes. Um, and then, of course, in the little last-minute bits, you got things from Bloodline, Singularity, The Serpent Slayer, The Gamekeeper Family, Bane, yeah! favorite episode, Holiday, Woo! 1969, one of my favorite episodes, Crossroads, and so on. Yep. Um, <clears throat> so this is the first time that Brooke Parker has been in the show since season two of Family. Mm-hmm. So it's been a... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course... Uh, 
Peter DeLuise directed this episode. He also directed the episode Serpent Song, when Apophis mm-hmm. dies. And mm-hmm. so you see a lot of similarity and reminiscence there uh, between how Teok is treated in, in, in this episode and how mm. Apophis is, you know, you got the tied up to a bed and, and dealing with the end of life stuff. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, so all of this, uh, uh, Peter DeLuise is talking about this and he's trying to build up the story. He says, well, maybe Teal'c will die. Um, and there is this sort of idea that, that uh, well, you know, maybe, maybe he could die. Um, but since he's a lead character, there's absolutely no chance that that's happening. That, you know, so he's totally going to get through this without any problem. Yes. Yeah, so, there was no. You, I, I do feel for a director in that moment. Because, like, I mean, I don't know. Like, y- you could theoretically pull a Game of Thrones moment, t- technically. But, like, everybody knows that's not going to happen. And so that that suspense just isn't there. I mean, it's just not plausible. But um, how we're going to get there is still intriguing. Right. And we'll get into it when we start talking about the episode. But, you know, th- but this episode was so not an episode of like, is Teal going to die? This was not the, the, the thrust of the story had nothing to do with whether or not Teal was going to die. Right. It had so, everything to do with other things, but like, th- but like the worry of whether or not he'll actually like pull through was not a piece of the puzzle, but it was a piece of the puzzle for the characters. And I thought they pulled that off really quite nice. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. We'll get into it. When we get All right. There. So here we go. Here's a quote from, uh, Christopher Judge about this episode. Yeah. Uh, You'll get to see a lot of Teal'c's backstory. The pilot started with Teal'c turning on his people, but why was never addressed. We know that Braytac planted the seeds of knowledge, so to speak, of what the goals truly were, but you never saw the journey Teal'c had to make to get to the point where he said, if I'm ever going to do something to free my people, I've got to do this now. And we devote a whole episode to that in the new season uh, and I was very happy. Mm-hmm. We have some other good stuff coming up too, but I'm happiest so far about this one particular episode. The more we know about Tilk's past, I think the more interesting everything else he does is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is Teal from. Yes. Yes. So, um, this episode in other languages is called The Threshold in French, mm-hmm. it's called Final Limit. In Hungarian, the Italians mm-hmm. call it the return. The Spanish, mm-hmm. following the French, say the threshold. Mm-hmm. The Czechs say on the doorstep of death. Yep. And the okay. Germans call it Tilk's trial. Oh, good. Oh, good. <laughs> and the Germans are at it again. Tilk comes back. Tilk <laughs> becomes a good guy. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Nice. Okay. Shall we dig into the synopsis of this episode? Yes. All right. Here we go. Previously, a lot of things happened and Tilk had been brainwashed to think that Apophis is his god. Okay. Good to go. Colonel O'Neill, General Hammond, Dr. McKenzie enter a room. Tilk's there. Tilk is back to his old self after his encounter with Apophis's mind-altering drugs. Dr. McKenzie has helped Tilk realize the truth. But O'Neill wants to hear, hear Tilk say the words... The Gua'uld are nothing but false gods. Teal'c is ready to join SG-1, and the group leaves the room and be- to begin down the hall to start again. 
As the group heads down the hall, Tilk meets up with Braytek. The two friends embrace. Braytek looks deep into Tilk's eyes with intensity unmatched. Holding firmly to his former apprentice, the aged Jaffa cries out, He is deceiving you! Tilk throws Braytek aside and bolts down the hall, tackling a couple of guards in the process. He is stopped by Carter and a couple of other guards with all the Zat guns. Tilk turns and flees the other direction, only to find himself pinned by Braytek and his entourage. Braytek shoots Tilk with a Zat gun, and the giant Jaffa collapses onto the floor. Immediately, Braytek lifts Tilk's shirt and pulls his symbiote out. With cries of the symbiote in the background, along with the startled cries of his human friends, Braytek says, says simply, if Tilk won't hear the truth in words, he must learn of it another way. The rite is called Malsharan, the last rite. Only in the fever dreams and hallucinations as Tilk lays dying will he be able to walk through his life, and truly remember the journey that led him in the first place to choose freedom. This will be the third time Braytek has helped a Jaffa through this rite, and while he's convinced the minds of the other Jaffa returned their bodies, did not. But Tilk is strong like ox. He will return to us, <laughs> or die in the attempt. Strapped to a bed in the infirmary and candles strewn all about, you know, some in the shape of a P and a D, uh, Tilk lays... Dying. The rite has begun. Our task is to question Tilk, force him to remember his life story, challenge him when he spews lies. Braytek looks at Tilk and cries out, Remember! Flashback. It's a clip show after all, with, with all brand new clips. <laughs> First Prime Braytek takes three promising young Jaffa soldiers to meet Apophis. Tilk is one of them. The First Prime offers Tilk as a potential replacement for Braytek when the time comes. Apophis asks about Tilk's father. Ronak was Cronus's first prime, but was killed when he lost an unwinnable battle. Tilk defends Ronak's honor as Apophis derides the man. Apophis is angered and uses his Karakesh to punish Tilk. Crying out, Tilk lays on the bed, beginning to remember his life story. Braytek must go to rest. Jackson and O'Neill stay with Tilk as Carter escorts Braytek to the VIP room where he can enter Kelnorim. Carter asks if Braytek can understand how hard it is for them to watch Tilk suffer. He can, but he insists that this is the right thing to do. He then confides with her that this will be his last symbiote. When it matures in a couple years' time, it will be his last. This is how old warriors die. In the infirmary, Dr. Jackson and O'Neill talk to Tilk, who suddenly utters Valar, though Jackson thought he said Velour, the, the fabric. Uh, a weakened Tilk tells the two that Valar was his friend and receives another flashback. Tilk discusses his punishment by Apophis after defending his father with his friend Valar. Valar implores Tilk to never again question his god. Rest, regain your strength, fight well in the coming days, and maybe Apophis will forgive you. Tilk then awakens in his delirious state and claims that he is cured. But the other two ask him to talk more about Valar. When asked, Tilk spits out how he failed his god. His vital spike, his pain increases, and he has another flashback. Braytek is training Tilk in a snowy clearing. Tilk has been blindfolded and is frustrated in his, in his inability to see. Tilk believes it is pointless. Braytek invites the sparring session and easily outmaneuvers his young apprentice. 
lying in the snow with a staff weapon in his face. Braytek asks him, who will protect him? Apophis? No, not at all. And slowly, Braytek leads his apprentice to see something different when he looks at his god. Tilk returns home to his wife, Dreyak. He is upset and confused as to why Braytek, his mentor and friend, would so brazenly speak such sacrilege against Apophis. Dreyak is able to calm her husband. He apparently is the servant of two masters and must choose one. Back in the infirmary, Junior is fine, but according to Fraser, Tilk isn't. The team believes that the right is working to some extent. O'Neill and Jackson report to Carter that he called Jackson a woman and mentioned some fabric. Tilk, uh, Carter takes her turn sitting with Tilk. He begs her to release him. She refuses. This is not easy for anyone. She reminds him that he believes in freedom, in justice, in protecting people from false gods, that he despises what the Gua'uld stand for. Flashback. Valar leads Jaffa in battle against Ra, but is defeated. He returns humiliated. Tilk has been summoned to an unhappy Apophis. Valar stops Tilk in the hall and pleads his case. Maybe Tilk can persuade Apophis to spare his life. Despite Tilk's words, Apophis orders Valar's execution. Tilk is to go down to the planet and kill his friend. But on the surface, Tilk spares Valar's life. Go to the village a few days from here. Do not be captured by either side. Back on the ship, Tilk tells of Valar's death. Apophis is pleased. Apparently, Apophis is not all-knowing. Hammond and Jack sit in the observation room, watching over. Hammond admits that if this doesn't work, Tilk's prospects are solitary confinement until the symbiote matures in four or five years. That is not the life for the friend, and he won't let that happen. Either Tilk returns as he was, or Hammond will let him die. Flashback. Years later, Tilk wakes from a nightmare. He recalls annihilating a small village on a planet at the Order of Apophis, a village where his old friend Valar had fled. He killed his friend and countless innocent women and children to protect his secret. Tortured by the dream, Dreyak tries to comfort him. He will soon be first prime. They will soon have a son and a new house. Tilk must be strong. Days later, Tilk runs to Braytek in the woods. He is excited. He's been marked at a, as Apophis's first prime. Braytek is not as They do, discuss explicitly the reality that the Gua'uld are not gods. And Tilk, as first prime, has the power to temper Apophis's anger, to subvert him when possible, but capitulate when necessary. When necessary. He will do horrific things as First Prime, but perhaps he can hold on to the truth that the Gua'uld are not God. Finally, it is 1997. SG-1 has been captured by Apophis and imprisoned on Chulak. Tilk speaks quietly with Braytek as they watch the humans from Earth. Their weapons are not Gua'uld. They have tasted freedom and know what it means. Braytek warns Tilk that his dreams of freedom will be his undoing. He should pray that they simply do not become hosts and call it good. In the infirmary, Tilk asks the question, What have I done? The entire group gathers around his bed as his heart rate crashes. Braytek urges Tilk to choose freedom. Death or freedom? Choose! 
Tilk and the serpent guards level their weapons at the prisoners. O'Neill cries out, I can save these people! Help me! Many have said that. But you are the first, I believe, could do it. The battle in Children of the Gods commences. Tilk's mind flashes through all his adventures and experiences with SG-1. Braytek releases Tilk and allows Dr. Frazier to reintroduce the symbiote into Tilk. Frazier quickly uses the defibrillator to restart his heart. He awakens and announces that he chooses freedom. Tilk has returned. He gladly declares that Apophis is a false god, a dead false god. O'Neill orders him released from his restraints. Hammond grants permission for him to rejoin SG-1. The day is saved. And so is T- the end. The end. So Brent. Yeah. Threshold. Mm-hmm. What'd you think? <clears throat> so I'll start with the bad stuff first. And everybody who listens to the show knows that when I start with the bad stuff first, I usually like the episode. Um, bad stuff first. Uh, I thought that the that the... I thought that the vessel of this story was a bit contrived. However, we'll get into the contents of the story and how much I really enjoyed it quite a lot. But the sort of the, 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 the trappings of the moment I thought was best encapsulated by what I thought was kind of a ridiculous overture to create some kind of like ambiance by putting in, I don't know what, 150 candles in the infirmary. <laughs> <laughs> Like, um, again, like I am so willing to look past this because the story was really good. Uh, but you know, like, like the whole thing, it, it, it was plausible. It was plausible. Um, but like how it ended up, the shape it ended up taking was a bit weird. It was a bit peculiar because it starts with Apophis, um, I'm sorry, it starts with Teal'c falsely uh, claiming that he is back uh, and that he's ready to rejoin SG-1. And it ends with basically the same words. But at the start, we kind of don't believe him. And at the end, we're a little suspicious, but we believe him. And 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 I get it. I get it. I get it. It's the story. That was the point. Blah, blah, blah. Like, we have the expert, uh, Braytech, who uh, tells us at the beginning, no, he's not yet back. And at the end, he's there and he says, yes, he's back. Like, I understand there's more to it than just that. It just felt a little... I don't know. It, 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 at the end there, it felt a little rushed, maybe. My suspension of disbelief was, was banged up a little bit there towards the end. But, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, and then the other thing that I didn't really like about it is that, yeah, like, you know, Tilk wasn't going to die. So it didn't have that kind of, of uh, suspense for me. And the actors were playing their parts well that they, that from their point of view, there was a real concern that he might die. There was no question about that at all. Uh, but because me, the viewer, I'm like, yeah, I mean, right. Like he's, he's going to get saved here at the end, but how, um, you know, that, that piece of the puzzle just wasn't, it wasn't really there for me, but okay. I've just got done talking about the stuff that I didn't like about the episode. That was it. The end. Now we can talk about the stuff I did like about it. And it had everything to do with the story. This was a really good story. Indeed. Um, there was a lot of excellent, um, exposition about, Uh, Teal's background and how he got to where he was thinking and, you know, aspects about his uh, experience, which define uh, who he is as uh, as a character Uh, and just seeing basically the slices of life, basically seeing his slices of life and all of his moments, all of the reactions, his uh, descriptions of how he was feeling and what he was thinking 
uh, how he was reacting to these things as they were occurring in all directions. All of it felt very plausible, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was it was very well written. It was extremely well acted. It was well directed. Uh, like there's so much about that where like, um, you know, like as I'm kind of thinking about it now, uh, I, I kind of, I, I, you know, there's a piece of me that just kind of wishes that instead of trying to take the story in the direction of, um, we've got Teal'c, uh, we've got Teal'c's body, but you know, it's going to take us a while to get his mind back instead of having it be this like cat and mouse aspect of like him trying to deceive the team. I think it probably would have been a lot more, um, plausible for me if what we saw was Teal'c on death's doorstep because he had been blown to bits, you know, um, you know, severely injured in that last, you know, in the last episode. And we're watching him, you know, we're, uh, we are watching his subconscious work through this as he's getting closer to death. Hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So instead of having this like back and forth of like, I'm going to try to deceive you. Ah, instead, if it's more along the lines of like, he's actually grievously injured and, um, we're not sure if we can save him, and uh, but instead the story is the flashbacks because that that was the story. It was really good. Um, you know, if we watch these flashbacks and we watch him reconstruct how he got to the spot where uh, he is actually on the side of freedom and SG one and not on the side of Apophis, we could still end up having the exact same story um, packaged in almost the same way, but just a little less with the like bonk bonk. Um, uh, I once again pledge my allegiance. And he says that twice. And one time it's like clearly not true. And the other time it's clearly true. And it's like, eh, I'd have less of a deal with that. But yeah. So on the whole, this thing was great. Uh, super good. Wonderful story. Mm-hmm. So much information. So good to see that kind of context and get more backstory. Like Christopher Judge did a brilliant job with this one. Like so much of it is really, really good. Um uh, seriously, Tony, Tony, uh, Tony, uh, Tony, Amendola. Tony, Tony Amendola, not Ricardo Montalban. Not, um, not Ricardo Mont- No, he did. Tony did a, this was also really good. Like there was, there was a lot of scenes in there where oh, it's like, yeah. yeah, like he's doing his Braytac thing, but, but Braytac has more layers and it's, and you can see it in this episode and you can watch. Yep. The how the seeds are planted. Exactly what Christopher said. You know, you, you can watch the seeds get planted and, I, I had a great time with this one. What about you? What do you think? So I love this episode. I'll put that straight away. Um, I love this episode. This is a great mm-hmm. episode. Um, you mentioned some of the the issues. You know, I mean, yes, you're right that that uh, Teal'c says basically the same thing at the beginning of the episode as he does at the end of the episode. And yet, when you watch Teal'c's uh, Christopher Judge's performance in those, yes, yes. it is a different yes. person yes, saying right. those two words. Those right. words in those two different times. Uh, it, it, it's a completely, you know, in the beginning, he is he is in control. He is working the system. We already know that Dr. McKenzie is more or less inept at his job. But 
because every time we see him yeah, on the show, true. he's like, "That's true." You know, it's like uh, he's like, "Oh yeah, sure." You know, you did it on yourself, Teal. I just helped you see what you already knew, and uh, you know, one of the last times we saw him was the episode when uh, uh, Jackson had that that thing in his head from Michello, and yep. he was going crazy. Yep, and he's like, yep. "What do you think? I'm acting crazy, Will? Probably just because I am acting crazy." And and you know, Mackenzie is like. It's okay. Just be calm. You're fine. You know. So like, <laughs> Mackenzie is the doctor that you you bring in there when you talk about psychological things when you want him to be inept. <laughs> oh, poor Mackenzie. Poor Mackenzie. <laughs> but you're right. <laughs> he, he, you know, he he is a two dimensional archetypical character. Yes. Um, and and that's what that character is. And so I don't I don't you know the actor does a fine job with it, and I don't even blame the writing because you need that so that you can move forward with the rest. Of it. Um, sure. That that's just you know part of it. Um, when you only have forty five minutes to tell a story, uh, you need to be able to set things up and go with it. But uh, despite that, Teal'c at the very beginning he's got this under control. He's like, oh, absolutely, you know. He's got this workings, and he's like trying to deceive everybody. And it's looking into uh, Braytac's eyes in that very beginning season, and you just see uh, Braytac bore into his soul with those eyes. I mean, those are some amazing yes. acting eyes. And and he's like, boom, and all of a sudden things explode there. Um, for for Teal'c in that moment, and then at the end, you've got this moment who, um, like like when he wakes up and he's like, "What have I done?" That's the moment. That's the breaking point. And then everything else is just the the reconstructing and the replacing of things back into the proper order of it when mm-hmm. he gets into there. And so when he says at the end, uh, you know, Apophis is a dead god, as a god, as false god, a dead false god. Uh, it, it's a completely different character. Uh, and for me, is it a little bit contrived? Maybe, sure. Um, are they the same words? Yes, but they're set in a, such a completely different context and in a different way. Uh, and Teal, Christopher Judge plays the character so well that, that you mm-hmm. can see differences there that for me, it just works for me. It, it works for me. I don't have to worry about that. Um so that was one of those things. Um, and then just to get the opportunity to see Teal'c's past. And we mm. see some of the roots of this already before. It's like way, way back in the first season uh, when we meet Ryak and when we met Dreyak for the first time. It was played by different actors. Um, they had removed Teal'c's symbiote at that point to try to give him some new, you know, antiviral, you know, and, you know, immune system bolstering drugs, whatever mm-hmm. it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that moment, he was going through some sort of fever dream and calling out, Ryak! You know, right. so already in that moment, we are seeing that the removal of the symbiote um, produces, and, and, and you know, the, the, the fever that comes from from not having an immune system and getting sick so relatively quickly and all of this stuff, um, this just amplifies that. So we see more of that. So Mm -hmm. it's not like this is a new thing. This is just uh, an amplification of something that we already had established, um, which works for me. Um, And then in this situation, uh, what is Tilt going to be focusing on, especially with how uh, Braytac... Uh, begins the right with his words there. You know, the story is going to end up being what is still going to focus on, but the story about how he got to this place. Uh, and so it works for him, me because that's what's in his head. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then, holy smokes, those background scenes, the the, the clips of the past. Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, you got just a slightly different color um, of yep. the the shot. Uh, yep. The sound is just a little bit echoed, just mm-hmm. enough to mm-hmm. just kind of give it that that uh, uh, spacey feeling. Um, the ethereal quality to it. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't do a lot with the, the uh, manipulating of of the, the the camera or you know like the, the lens, like like fish eye lens or anything like that, which is fine. That's good. Mm-hmm. I think if mm-hmm. they'd done that, it would have been just a little bit over the top. Um, mm-hmm. And then it just builds this up here. Um, I love it. And then you yeah, know, yeah. Um, yeah, there's, I mean, I'm not sure that there's an awful lot. Unfortunately, this is one of those, I think, unfortunately, this is one of those episodes where there's really not an awful lot to say because it's just kind of, it just is. And it, what it is, is good. It's a mm-hmm. good story. It, uh, it's not meant to introduce some kind of a, of a real thinker question, I don't think. Um, well, it's you know, just. There, there are certainly. Um, questions that, that that can be posed as you watch this question uh you know uh, you've got um Braytax admission there that this is his last symbiote that he's 139 years old or 137 mm-hmm. how old he is um and in a couple of years when his symbiote matures um it's going to leave him and he's not likely to find another symbiote and even if he does it'll reject him uh yeah. i mean that that uh that that uh, facing down of death and life in that moment um, is is remarkably well done in terms mm. of acting, um, and it does give it gives me an an opportunity to just kind of sit there and and ponder that. Um, I'm not sure where to go with that necessarily, mm-hmm. but but mm-hmm. there is something there uh, worth digging into. So. Sorry, I interrupted. You. Yeah, no, Continue. no, no, no. I, I, I mean, I was kind of brewing on that one. I uh, am realizing that I was, uh, I guess, a little cynically hearing that line as a nice, tidy way to uh, allow the character of Braytac to maybe never make an appearance again on SG One for mm. for for okay reasons. You know, for it, you know, it's all right. Um, uh, you know, just just basically kind of put on paper. And put on put on film like uh, our time with Braytac is is running short. And yeah, I mean he puts he puts a he puts a puts a timestamp on it. It's like two to three years, so that's not you know it's not today. But you know I mean but but you know y- you bringing that point in is something that I wasn't thinking about before, which is which was which was good. Uh, and yeah, I mean there's there's of course there are like meta questions of of. Um, you know, is it uh, which is which is the nobler um, to to uh, to rebel uh, in the face of certain death, uh, which you know in Teal's story turns out to be not certain death, uh, or to subvert, uh, to remain uh, in the inner echelons, to uh, to exert control over uh, over an evil. There's actually a pretty darn good article that I read recently uh, in the Atlantic talking about this this pretty much this exact same problem and uh how it how it manifests itself in in our real world as opposed to the stories is that uh people will choose to stay close to power for a variety of reasons ranging from it's just literally the safest thing to do because otherwise you're putting yourself and your family at great risk all the way through um uh 
I'm sorry. And let me paraphrase this. Why do people who disagree with the power that that, that is or the powers that be, why do they stick around? Um, and, uh, you know, so it ranges from safety all the way through to um, trying to guide that misguided power towards good. Mm-hmm. And how in in our experience with that conundrum, the ability for those types of people to actually exert that guiding influence is much lower than one hopes. So it, but this is, but this is not real life. This is a, this is a, this is a philosophical question to be asked and thought about within the construct of a science fiction story. So therefore, we can pull it apart and just look at it a little bit more plainly. Um, and yet, there but are, it, but ways, that question is there. There are ways, um, even in real life, that one can uh, work with somebody who, at least marginally tyrannical. Um, to reshape in subtle ways what they do, if not why they do it, uh, into ways that are less harmful for the the greater number of people. Um, it's and it's a very subtle thing. Um, you know, there there is a person in uh, my congregation who uh, is a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, and my best way of navigating that. Um, is um, multifolded. Uh, one is to recognize that this person is this person and I can't change. Mm. Uh, so this person will do what uh, they do. And, uh, but I can also foster a relationship with that person um, and offer my two cents when I am able. And I have seen that that process has resulted in a change of behavior in the microcosm, if not the macrocosm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that ability does exist uh, to some degree um, and is valuable um, at the f- same time, you know. Now, in, in this situation, what do you do? Because this is a way different situation here um you know apophis holds way way more power yes um and either you well, i mean basically uh the first prime of apophis has three options one utter capitulation and devotion yep. to their god yep two uh working within the system and trying to stay on the guy's good side so that you can do what good you can recognizing mm-hmm. that you'll also do some evil or three outright rebel, and mm-hmm. I mean we we only see two first primes of Apophis, but we see those last come to fruition. Correct. Um, you know, uh, Braytech never had the opportunity, the option to fully um, rebel because any rebellion at that point in time would have ended very swiftly and violently in his destruction, and it would not have been helpful for anybody. Uh, Tilk takes a different approach and discovers that that he actually has an option to fight back, and he does. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we see that develop there. Um, so, yes, I think we do. Sorry, technicality. I think we do see a third first prime of Apophis that we took care of within a single episode. It was a really tall guy. Oh yeah, um, Shackle. Yeah. Uh, he, he lasted a couple of episodes. He was in the, the Knox episode. 
Uh, I believe, yeah, okay. Um, but but there you go. There's there's the there's the devotion. There's there's the devoted. Uh, at least as as near as we can tell. Uh, there's the devoted first prime right there. So we do get yes. to see all three. We do get to see all three. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, and it was it was it was um it was an important point in the episode, but it was also uh, a point to be made and then moved moved on. I mean, it was it was integral. It was a, it was it was a deeply important line that was that was uttered uh to, to to set a lot of things up but it was not the real like heart beating heart of the story the beating heart was how did teal get to where he is um and that you know and then so getting back to the sort of the opener of like i'm not sure there's a whole lot to say about it even though we found plenty to say about it um <laughs> that uh that like you know it, it it's it's an excellent story that is uh that is just designed to explain is really what it's about this story was designed to explain and the subject that is being explained is Teal'c and the question in specific is how did Teal'c get emotionally to where he was willing to side with SG-1 and this is going to be driven by the plot question of this is a this is a rediscovery that must take place in order to save him from the brainwashing that Apophis just did a couple of episodes ago uh therefore uh here we go right like yeah. therefore this is this is now this is now the exposition. And, you know, I remember watching the pilot episode, and I think you and I talked about it, is that in the pilot episode, it really feels that Teal'c's switching of sides is just ridiculously abrupt. Like, boom! Yeah. Like, all of a sudden, there he is. And, and you're like, oh, and so now we trust him. He's our friend. He's, you know, it, it's, it was, it, for me, it was jarring. Uh, sure. Yes. In that very beginning. And uh, it, it, I really appreciate that, you know, I mean, he had to wait five seasons. I get that. But, but I appreciate that uh, we get to really delve into Tilk's backstory to find out and answer the question why this yep. is happening. And uh, not just to answer that question, but to do it in a way that actually furthers the current story. Um, you know, because whenever you're looking back... Uh, it's very challenging to look back and tell the story of what happened five years ago, ten years ago, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. actually do that in a way that furthers your present-day story. And yes. this episode does that remarkably well, uh, doing both of those things um, so that you know this fits into the whole process of this arc of stories that began three episodes ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, I will note that uh, maybe I mentioned this last week. I can't remember for sure. I think I did briefly. But originally, the idea was that uh, the uh, dealing with Teal'c's brainwashing was going to be part of episode one of the season. Mm. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Um, and so, uh, so you know, the the escape from the other galaxy escape from the replicators from Apophis, all of that, um, and getting Teal'c back mentally was all originally kind of one idea there, one story. And honestly, I have no idea how they could possibly have done no. that. In 40 Obviously, minutes? No way. They, they, they would have had to do things... I mean, this episode Wait, a wouldn't lot have existed. Yes. It would have been completely yes. different than what we got. Yes. But... Uh, you know, somewhere in the process, relatively early on, uh, those writers recognized that that these are 
you know, both of these stories in episodes one and two are too big to put into one. And they yes. had to separate them. And I think that they did that uh, a very good job. Oh, yeah. No, that was a, that was a wise decision. De- yeah. Wise decision. I, yes. I, I have no idea how they would have been able to. I, I mean, not without just butchering so much. Oh, yeah. Well, you would have butchered both stories. Yeah, um, totally. You would have been like, uh, so, hey, look at that. We're back in the Milky Way galaxy. Yeah, it would have, it would have and, been too. Yeah. Oh, nope. Joke was bad, but now he's good. So it's all good now. <laughs> <laughs> Teal was bad, but now he's good. <laughs> you know, it, it would not have gone well, I don't think. Nope. And so they, they made the wise decision, and they, they turned out episodes. So this this is the culmination of a four-episode arc, really, all the way back to Double Jeopardy, where they get the ship, and then they blow up a oh, sun, yeah. and then they get yeah. trapped in another galaxy, they deal with the replicators, yep. they lose Teal, yep. they find Teal, yep. and then they have to get Teal yep. back. Yep. All of that in, in those four stories. Um, I got to tell you, though, that like I'm so used to uh, season arc stories anymore that like this must have felt like epic <laughs> at the time oh, yeah. watching this thing and then having to have a season break in the middle. Oh, gosh, this must have felt huge. So, you know, um, there you go. There you there go. You go. Um, I think, Brent, uh, that it's probably time to move on and actually yep. give our rating for this episode. Yes. Uh, so uh, Threshold. Mm-hmm. How many chevrons out of seven chevrons will mm-hmm. you give it? I um, still am holding on to my beef about sort of that overall sort of the, 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 what I was kind of calling the vessel uh, of how we got this story, like the the trappings that sort of set it up. Um, but the story itself, the contents of the vessel, holy moly, were they good. Super good. Loved the story. Loved the way it was acted a lot. It was directed and shot well. I mean, like everything about it was really, really, really good. So um, it's going to take a ding, but not much of one. I'm going to give a six out of seven Chevron. Six. Mm-hmm. Um, so <clears throat> I already told you I loved this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, the dings that you give it are you not even dings that I can give it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, because this is a great story episode, it's well acted, um, I don't have the problems that you do. I was thinking about this as I was rewatching this episode yesterday. Uh, that this is a seven Chevron yeah. episode, yeah. plain and go. simple. And I, I would I, say yeah. that your six is not high enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got good news. I was realizing as you were talking about how they were originally going to jam all this into one episode. I was like, that episode would have been a three if they had tried that. Um, maybe lower. Um, but in in but in pacing it out and spreading it out, they just earned themselves two sixes in my book. But in your book, they got a what'd you give it last time? Six, yeah, and a, a seven. So this is a seven. Yeah. Yep. This is good All stuff. Right. I like. Well, this we one. have some predictions. Yeah. What do Shall other people we think? Dig into these predictions. Yeah. Let's get into it. All right. So we have uh, a couple of predictions on email. One from David. Hi, David. David says, Chevron encoding flashback. Flashback. First, we have to accept that Teal'c is not going to die, and he is not going to permanently oppose SG-1. His plot armor is too strong for that. Too strong. Too strong. Too strong. With that in mind, we already know the outcome of the story. However, knowing the end of the journey does not spoil the adventure in getting there, does it? No. I don't think so. Yes. This is a fun and interesting trip through Teal'c backstory. It fills in a lot we did not know that we needed. 
like how Teal'c's treason in Children of the Gods was not just a thing that happened out of the blue, but that mm-hmm. it has had been building, uh, ha- that it had been a long time coming for him and for Braytek. It also exposes how utterly dependent a Jaffa is on their Primta. So if the Tauri defeat the Gua'uld completely, what does it mean for the Jaffa that are dependent on them? Hmm. Someone should do a podcast episode on that subject. Huh. 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 I wonder, I wonder who might be doing that, Zach and David. Well, anyway, carrying on. Carrying on. He predicts that you will give this six chevrons for Teal's right backstory. Right on the money. And he predicts that I will give it six as well because it gives him a lot to think about. It's super and close. you are right that it gives me a lot to think about. It has lots of Teal backstory, awesomeness, but uh, six is not high enough. Six isn't high enough, says Zach. This is not high enough. All right. That was David. We also have Caleb. Hi, Caleb. Caleb says, Threshold was a great episode. Mm-hmm. I like seeing what brought doubt about Apophis before Teal mm-hmm. met SG-1. His prediction, Zach, seven. Oh, okay. Okay. Brent, seven. Oh, he, he thought we were both going to go there. Yeah. Wow. You know, I, I, thought, I thought you might actually go up to a seven. Uh, and then I thought maybe maybe I could convince you with, with my uh, defense of the storyline there at the beginning <laughs> and the end that maybe that would be enough to, but, <laughs> to uh, sway me. Sway Alas. you, but apparently that was Alas, not no. doable. Okay, so here we go. Justin said... Hi, Justin. This was my first thought with the set. Teal'c's 5,000 candles in the wind. <laughs> and it seems to be he lived his life like a candle maybe that's a different thing he's referencing but well, that's the first uh, thing i yeah, thought yeah, of yep yeah. andy's uh all right you can <laughs> you can go online and, and and find the youtube clip i'm not ah uh, I see. he does okay. say this is where they kept the story from last week or last week was where the the budget from this week went but I'm of the opinion that blue-gray <laughs> camera filters were free with bulk cam- bulk candle purchases. <laughs> he continues. Buy 300 candles, get a blue-gray filter free. <laughs> uh, I like the emotional journey of the A story. The medical, mm-hmm. spiritual, ethical B story didn't overshadow it, but showed the care for their friend. Brentek heading into Kelnorim was a little odd. We are going to engage in a dangerous and deeply spiritual reflection on death's door that no one has survived, but I'm going to be asleep for most. I'm going to go take a nap now. (laughs) All right, I'll buy that. I'm sticking with my seven. (laughs) You all have fun now. (laughs) I'll be be over here taking a rest. I'm I'm old, by the way. <laughs> Sorry, carry oh, okay. on. Carry on. So, but Brentek needed to be there for the flashbacks, and SG1 needed to be with Tilk for the team bondage. I mean, mm. bonding. Oh, yeah. Okay. Bre- Hello. Well, you know. While it's too late to make a long post, post short, I'm going to say Brent gives it seven, and Zach mm. gives it six and a half. Oh, so switched around a tad. Yep. Nice. All Super right. close, though. We have Jacqueline. Hey, Jacqueline. Jacqueline, I believe, got it right last week. Let's see if she can get I it right. I think you're this right. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling the pressure to get my predictions spot on for the second week in oh, a row. Oh, boy. 
Oh, yep, yep, I'm yep. going to say mm-hmm. that both you, you that you both enjoy the backstory of Teal'c's life as a Jaffa and the decisions he's made and then has to make again in the episode. Mm-hmm. It may not be as action-packed as the previous episode, but I think the way the story was told is interesting. I was initially going to say for both of you, but I'm going to say Zach bumps his chevron rating up to six and a half, while oh. Brent says six <laughs> chevrons. Oh! <laughs> so close! So close, Jacqueline! Oh, so Jacqueline, oh. good news. You don't have to feel the pressure of being, like, perfect anymore. So, you know, there you go. Which I guess is a backhanded compliment. I didn't mean it quite like that. Um, I meant more along the lines of like excellent, excellent work. That was super close. So, so you good. know your 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 line of thought was just about right on the spot money. on, except mm-hmm. for you, you left that half a chevron dangling. Well, you know, in her defense, giving something seven is a you know is it's it's special. That's and true. so, you know, you That's know, true. it takes it takes uh, even if somebody has a sliver of a doubt, if they think that you or I are going to have a quibble with it. That's enough. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. I, I, I buy that those arguments. I'm going to stand mm-hmm. by my seven. Of course. That's the rules. Yep. Uh, Kimberly says. Hi, Kimberly. Six out of seven chevrons for both Brent and Zach. A satisfying end to the three parter. Uh, this episode yep. trades the physical action for emotional dramatics. Christopher Judge continues to flex his acting chops. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. 100%. Yep. And we have a couple more here. Okay. We have JD. Hi, JD. It's been a hot minute since I've seen this one. I mm. remember thinking, this is interesting, but it should be more interesting than it actually is. There's nothing bad, but when you're talking about looking back at how the prime of the, the prime of Apophis slowly stopped believing in his god, it feels like it should be bigger. I'll go with a four and a half for Zach and a four for Brent. Mm. Oh no! JD. No, we, 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 had, we had more. We, we liked it more than that. We liked it better. But, 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 I absolutely see his point. So, if, um, so my, my th- criticism had to do with what I'm keep, what I keep referring to as like the vessel of this thing. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I see where he's going with that, where, um, this could have easily been a much bigger story without putting a whole lot of work into it. You could easily tell a much more uh, sort of epic story about how Teal got to where he was. Um, this isn't the Teal show. It's not Christopher Judge's name before the title card. Um, but I-, I can appreciate that sentiment for sure. I-, I can I can hear that. I can resonate with that. Um I, I do think, though, that if this episode had been much more epic than it already was, it would have been hard following uh, last week's episode. Um, you know, the, the season opener was just this huge, action-packed, epic thing. And yeah. um, to follow that, for me, and this is part of why I gave it a 7, is that it, it uh, follows the story in a way that allows us feel some tension but also take a breath from mm. mm-hmm. not i mean last week's episode was non-stop uh it you was know, non-stop the the breaths that you could make were a, you know i mean like like you were sprinting uh you know you were swimming a, a 100 meter race you know and and you know you only had that much moment to take a breath before you had to keep moving on right this for me it felt it it needed to be just a little bit slower uh 
and it wasn't slow, I don't think, but it it didn't, uh, you know, it just, it moved without um, racing. That yeah, was... that's a decent way to say it. Okay, yeah. and we have one more prediction from Anna. Hi, Anna. Anna says, I'm wavering between a five and a six, because mm. I think you're going, going to really l- like hearing the Teal backstory. I'm also positive you'll find some plot hole or something that just doesn't make sense that I've never <laughs> seen or thought of before. <laughs> so I'll go with a six for both of you. And I say, well done. Super Anna. close. Very close. That is really good. Yep. Yep. Really, really good. So are our predictions. Nice. So, and I say I thank you very stuff. much for all of you who wrote in predictions, either on the Facebook comments or um, the emails. Either one works. Please be happy to, you know, send those in. Let us know what you think of these episodes. The next episode, Brent. Yes. Episode three of season five is entitled yep. Ascension. Ascension. And I ask you, what is Ascension about? Ascension. Hmm. Okay, maybe, maybe here. Okay, let's see. Let's see if I can. Let's see if I can make something out of this idea that just popped in my head. Okay. Next time on Stargate SG One, the SG One team travels through the gate to find themselves on a strange world. Indeed, it is a world that is designed explicitly to produce the best of everyone who lives there. It's a fantastically technologically advanced place, and though there are not very many inhabitants on this world. Every single one seems to be the best version of themselves that they can be. As soon as SG-1 steps onto the planet, they feel this peculiarity surging through them, making them more epic, making them more heroic, not necessarily stronger per se, but just better overall they go back through the gate back to the sgc and and general hammond immediately sees the difference and he says team this is now the time where you need to take this take this newfound power and uh and help uh defeat the ghoul once and for all Uh, although now that i'm thinking about it like i mean i guess we still have uh who do we still have out there right now we got uh i guess Osiris, I guess, I guess she's out there. So they jump through the gate to go to wherever Osiris was. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because here we go. It is a beautiful episode filled with heroism, filled with emotional tying arc, filled with epic action, filled with, with, with sacrifice and with amazing, just jaw-dropping storyline that makes Brent openly weep. And he gives for the first, first time? Second time? For, so he gives an eight out of seven chevrons because this story is ascension. Putting a lot of weight on the story. Wow. What do you think? Do you think it'll live up to my hopes? Um, I think you began with it correctly. That they walked through the gate? <laughs> to find themselves in a strange new world. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and, then, and then the direction you take it? And the direction that it goes veers off a little bit. Okay. It, well, it I'm. Splits I'm there. It splits there. Okay. Am I going to give this a one? No. Well, I, <laughs> I don't know. You're going to give it either I mean, I a one, a two, a three, yes. four, yes. five, six, seven, or potentially an eight. Correct. And, you know, once you actually gave something a half Chevron rating. But and that was so a it's mistake. conceivable that it'll happen again. 
Not likely, no, but not impossible. <laughs> I didn't like myself after I did that. Wow. <laughs> do we need to have a sit down in the conversation, Brent? I don't do part scores. Oh. <laughs> Maybe the part score is part of the score. Is it part? Hey, uh, should we watch this thing or? Yes. All right. So let's okay. uh, watch the promo to find out what Ascension <laughs> is all about. All right. Let's do it. Are you ready? Yes. All right. I'm, I'm hitting. Next time on Stargate SG-1. Oh, oh. A mysterious encounter on a remote world leaves Major Carter questioning herself. Really? Sam, we don't know enough about what happened on that planet yet. Need I remind you, Dr. <gasps> the dangers that we're trying to defend Earth against? I'm it's cute! To take it easy. Sort of. Have her experiences in the Stargate program finally taken their toll? The last few years? Wow. You have had a tropa symbiote dying your brain, your memory has been stamped, and your entire consciousness has been transferred out of your body into a computer and then back again, and that is just for starters. Yeah. Or was yeah. she truly followed home by an alien presence? Huh. It's all next time on Stargate huh. SG-1. <gasps> all right. Okay, I'm here for this. And I'm also here for John DeLance. Yeah. Right on. I was kind of wondering, as we were talking about uh, Tilk getting a, back, a nice proper backstory... And recalling that uh, they didn't know if they were going to have a season six plus yet, that mm -hmm. I was wondering if there were going to be other backstory episodes in this season. And this doesn't look like a backstory per se, but I mean, this is this is this is a this is a Sam heavy. This looks like it's going to be a Samantha Carter heavy episode, which is good. Yep. I'm yep. for this. Awesome. Nice. It has awesome. nothing to do, though, with uh, the team getting basically superpowers and um, ending the show. Mm, probably not. Nope. Nope. Doesn't look like that at all. So, uh, well, we will find out specifically what Ascension is all about next time. Um, mm -hmm. Don't forget to tell us what you think about this episode. Uh, where did we get it right? Where did we get it wrong? If you want to debate my seven score on this, you can. Please do. Yes. Uh, if you want to say, Brent, you're wrong for giving it a six, you should have given it a seven, which is correct. He should have. But, you know, if you want to just, you know, argue that, you can do that. Go to Facebook.com uh, and uh, to our Walking Through the Stargate Facebook page or Facebook group, probably the Facebook mm -hmm. group for that stuff. But, you know, whatever. Yep. Uh, follow yep. us on Twitter at Stargate Walking or you can mm -hmm. email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com uh, and uh, join us on Twitter. Uh, Patreon, if you're able. Uh, yep. Keep an eye out for uh, the new stuff that's coming from yes. there. Um, Although I say that like I'm going to listen to it, and of course I'm not. I'm not going to hear anything you guys say. Well, you might. Well, eventually I suppose I could. Well, yeah, fair enough. Yes. Um, but <laughs> in any case. Um, Everybody else, though, should totally enjoy yeah, that. Yeah, like, absolutely. It'll be fun. Yeah. It'll be great. Uh, in any case, uh, Tell us what you think. Um, all of that. I already did that. So I'll just say, um, I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. Bye. I got it right this time, Brent. You did. You did. All right. Yes. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home. <laughs>